0: If you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. The hymn that we sang this morning, I Love to Tell the Story, relates, of course, very directly to our text for this morning, which is all about Jesus as a storyteller but also relates very directly to the purpose and direction that we announce week by week. At least I'll give you 25% of it. You know, we are becoming disciples. And to a large degree, we become disciples by being pulled into... And living out from a certain story, which is the purpose of Jesus' parables, right? He paints storied pictures of what the kingdom of God is like, what the world is like, what ultimate reality is like in the hope and for the purpose that there will be a group of people who adopt that, that story, as theirs. That's the one that they live from. That's the one they live out. That's the one that defines reality for them. But they have to do that in the midst of a storied universe where there's a lot of other stories floating around seeking their attention and so there's a there's a real sense in which we live in a situation that you could call story wars story wars Stories seeking to capture the imagination of an entire culture and certainly of individual people as well. And the question is, which story is and has captured us? Jesus' story or an alternative story? Um, let's uh, stand together and we'll read Mark 4. 33 and 34, which tells us that uh, Jesus was a regular storyteller to this end. Mark 4, verses 33 and 34, kind of summarizing the whole parable section that we've just come through in this short summarization paragraph. With many such parables he was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable. But he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, how blessed we are if we are enabled to embrace the story of your blameless way. If we end up being among those who live out our lives, walking within and living out your instruction. We are blessed if we find ourselves embracing your testimony as to what matters in life. And by so doing, are among those people who seek you with all our heart. O Lord, may that be us. May you protect us from wandering off to the practice of iniquity and hold us fast to be those who walk in your ways. You have told us stories that are to be believed diligently. You have given us commandments That are to be kept diligently. You have warned us of temptations that are be to be avoided diligently. And Father, it is our prayer this morning in all the circumstances that you presently have us, that you would establish our ways to live out your words, to handle our trials and tribulations in your way, to work out our uncertainties together by your leading and your guidance and your commandments. You have promised that you will not put to shame those who fix their eyes upon you, We give you thanks, Lord, with an upright heart that you have sent your Son into the world to become a propitiation for our sins. We thank you for the promise that if we believe in you that we do not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you, Lord, for the Lord's table where you invite us to come and examine ourselves in a fresh way as to whether or not we really reflect your story, whether your stories have been written on our hearts and control us in some significant way. So, Lord, I pray that as we gather together to worship this day, that you would use these words in Mark and their application And your call to us from your Son and through the Apostle Paul to the Lord's table to remind us afresh of the gospel message that blood has been shed and a body broken that we might have life and forgiveness. We ask for these things to be given in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, almost hard to believe that it was, well in the fall at least, it'll have been 40 years ago. Uh, We had just had our first child and my father-in-law brought down uh, my mother-in-law to help out for about a week, and I think it was when he came back to get her, uh, that next weekend, that uh, he told me about this radio program uh, that he thought I would really like. He said it was called A Prairie Home Companion. He talked about how they advertised fictitious products on the program and sang folk music. Then told a story about this fictitious town in Minnesota. Um, And the more he talked about it, the less interested I became. But Having been raised to respect my elders, when he said, Would you like to listen to it? Saturday comes on at five o'clock. I said, Oh, yeah, (laughs) I would. And so we did. And the first hour wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, Garrison Keillor was a little more engaging than I would have expected. It was a little more humorous than I would have expected. Probably enjoyed the music even a little more than I would have expected. But I wasn't ready for what would happen as you just turned into the second hour. And after a dramatic pause, Garrison Keeler said, well, it's been a quiet week in Lake Wobegon, Minnesota, my hometown. And then he just started to talk about the Lutheran pastor, Pastor Inkfist, and Norwegian bachelor farmers down at the sidetrack tap. He started to talk about Our Lady of Perpetual Responsibility Catholic Church, where Father Emil has been for many years. And after what seemed like about five minutes, I realized that 25 minutes had gone by. And he was wrapping up. And that's the news from Lake Wobegon, Minnesota, a little town that time forgot, where all the women are strong and all the men are good-looking and all of the children are above average. And then he introduced a song. And I was hooked. I was hooked. He was and is an amazing storyteller. Now, our text for this morning, our text for this morning tells us that Jesus, in major swaths of his ministry, Was mainly a storyteller. A storyteller. With many such parables, he was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. And he didn't speak to them without a parable but he was explaining everything privately to his disciples and he was speaking many parables of the same kind that is the same kind that we just finished with the parable of the the mustard seed earlier, the parable of the sower, the parable of the kingdom of God. He just, he just went on and on, spinning story after story after story after story. Uh, it's striking, the language, with many such parables, many such parables. Parables. Mark uses three different Greek little words. They just stacked on top of each other for emphasis with many such parables like these, the idea being. And he didn't speak to them without a parable. But he's not merely entertaining them by any means. For you'll notice the purpose of all these stories is... He was speaking the word to them. Speaking the word to them. He was teaching them the divine perspective. He was speaking the word to them. But here, primarily, story after story after story after story after story. Now, we know from the rest of the New Testament that Jesus did more than tell stories. The Sermon on the Mount isn't a story, per se. The Upper Room Discourse, John 14, 15, 16, not not a story. Um, But Mark's summary is meant, meant for us to take this seriously. If you would have spent time around Jesus, you would have thought, this guy tells a lot of stories. He tells a lot of stories. Um, Mark's not denying that there was anything else. He was just he's just asserting you would be struck by how storied the public ministry of Jesus was. State our thesis for this morning this way. We are to come to a clearer spiritual understanding through the stories of Jesus, or through the parables of Jesus. He's teaching the Word to us, so that he means for us to come to a clear, spiritual, life-controlling understanding through these stories. Three comments on this. Number one, We ought to listen carefully to Jesus' parables. We ought to listen carefully to Jesus' stories. With many such parables, he was speaking the word to them. Then verse 34 begins, and and he didn't speak to them without a parable. It was just one parable after the next, one story after the next. Storied, 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 storied now that shouldn't be any huge surprise right if you are very familiar with the bible as most of you are i mean when you when you begin at the beginning of our old testament canon you go the first 70 chapters in the bible are mostly and i mean Predominantly stories. Story of creation, story of the fall, story of the flood, story of Abraham, story of Isaac, story of Jacob, with particular focus on how his son Joseph was used to save the family from starvation and explain how the Israelites became slaves in Egypt. And then, story of the Pharaoh who arrived who knew not Joseph. Story of the birth of Moses. Story of the call of Moses. Story of the ministry of Moses in bringing about the Exodus. And now you've gone 70 chapters. But way more than that, Way more than that, and there are now a few gaps, but largely speaking, as it is in the uh, the, the Hebrew Bible, stories dominate the Hebrew Bible over the first six hundred and seventy-five pages, with a few blocks of non-storied material in places like Leviticus numbers Deuteronomy a mixture but then when you get back to Joshua Joshua Judges 1st and 2nd Samuel 1st and 2nd Kings story 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 There's a couple that came to faith in our first church Down in Iowa, the husband's name was Roger. And neither he and his wife had any really biblical background at all growing up. And so as they began to pay a little attention to the the Bible, it was absolutely brand new material. I remember Roger, nobody called him that, he had a nickname he went by, but telling me that his wife called out to him while she was reading the Bible on an exercise bike and said, you're not going to believe it. The Bible is mostly stories. And he started to read it. And he was surprised. She was right. It's like one story after the next as it starts. So, no big surprise that the incarnate Son of God would be a storyteller with many such parables. He was speaking the word to them. Then, verse thirty-four, and without, and He did not speak to them without a parable. But the stories you see are not primarily of entertainment value. They're of spiritual value. They are an instrumental tool to an end. And that end is given to us there in verse 33. He was speaking the word to them. and he's telling the stories so they understand the divine perspective. They understand the word of God. They understand the priorities and the way of God. That's what the story is about. But here's the trick, and here's the danger. He's not the only storyteller on the market, by a long ways, by a long ways. The Son of God isn't. Revelation 16, verse 13. We have another storyteller introduced to us. Revelation 16, verse 13. And I saw out of the mouth of the dragon... And out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs, and they are the spirits of demons, performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world. There's nothing original about the devil. He's created, therefore, like all created, all he can do is imitate. And he does imitate. Greg Beale, in his commentary on revelation, refers to this little section as heres, here we meet, uh, Evil's version of the Trinity. As you have the Father, Son, and Spirit, the nature of God, the alternative is the dragon. The beast. The false prophet. As God is a storyteller, so the dragon is a storyteller. The beast is a storyteller. The false prophet is a storyteller. Stories are characterized here from divine perspective. They're like demonic frogs coming out of the mouth. Abhorrent, despicable. You wouldn't think anybody could go for them. But to the average person... They don't look anything like demonic frogs. They look like Hollywood movies. They look like compelling novels. They look like television shows and the cleverest productions that appear anywhere on the internet. But it's actually all demon like frogs spewing out. But being embraced by the vast majority of the population of the world, the alternative stories to the story of Jesus. Jesus is a storyteller. Well, no big surprise. The dragon, the beast, the false prophet, they're storytellers too. And you and I live in a society absolutely encased inside their storytelling. Everywhere you look, every dial you turn, There's a story. There's a story. And also, like Jesus, they don't tell stories for their mere entertainment value. One of the great sleights of hand is our time. We refer to the entertainment industry, it's not primarily the entertainment industry. It's a propaganda industry. It's an instructional industry. It's teaching, 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 teaching all the time. All the time. All the time. And those who have been taken in to its story usually have no idea that they've even been taught. They usually have no idea how they've come to think the way they have come to think. They don't think about it at all. But they would never guess how much of it they learned while they were laughing at Seinfeld and watching MASH reruns in the 80s. And 90s, Seinfeld in the 90s, MASH reruns forever and ever. So it raises the question so, what's the controlling story that you live from? What's the controlling story of your life? Whose stories have you listened to most carefully, most seriously, and most importantly, whose story has shaped who you presently are right now? Is it the story of Jesus? Or is it the story of the dragon, the beast, false prophet. They're frog stories. Secondly, we ought to ask why Jesus mainly uses parables. Why would he use primarily stories? With many such parables he was speaking the word to them as far as they were able to To hear it. Now that's again. That's that. That's if remember context is king. So when you when you read that little phrase, as far as they were able to hear it, if you're like "Ah, ah, ah, ah." that sounds familiar. That sounds familiar. Well, yeah, because it's just a little bit earlier. In Mark chapter 4. Where Jesus takes up the quotation from Isaiah 6. You remember. So back to verse 11. Mark 4, 11. And he was saying to them, To you it has been given. The mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those outside. To those who are outside. Everything in parables. And then the ominous purpose clause. So that. In order that, well, seeing they may not see and not perceive, and well, hearing they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. Ominous, strange sorts of, like, whoa, what in the world? Is that about? Well, he's re summarizing all of that in that little phrase uh, at the end of verse 33. And he was speaking to them the word just as they were being able to hear it. Some able, some not. Story after story. Some benefiting, some not. A few weeks ago, in a Zoom prayer meeting call, my brother-in-law lives down in Texas now, spent most of his life with my sister here and there, all around the world, Philippines, Mongolia, Iraq, India, Africa, I mean, just everywhere, everywhere. But Isaiah 50, verse 4, Isaiah 50, verse 4, makes this remarkable statement about who has the ability to hear such things. The Lord God has given me the the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Speaking of now the Lord God, morning by warning, He awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. God, morning by morning, He awakens my ear to hear. How do I hear? I hear as a disciple. That is, I hear as a disciple of Jesus. The picture is, God sustains that for me. God sustains that in me. It's a striking phrase. Morning by morning, morning by morning... He awakens, that is, God awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. Psalm 119.18 is a prayer request of those who realize that's how it works. And so here's what they pray. Open my eyes that I might behold the wonderful things that are in your law. Open my eyes that I might see that the worldview of the Bible is truer, more satisfying, safer than the worldview of Seinfeld. The worldview of... And you name your favorite show. Open my eyes that I might see the wonderful things that are in the divine instruction, which is, as we've seen, mostly, mostly storied. Stories are not primarily of entertainment value. They are primarily of instructional value. And I doubt that there's ever been a generation in the history of the world who has had as many very carefully thought out stories put together for them to sit through and watch and absorb done so subtly in the early 1980s it was a a big deal on network television when Mary Tyler Moore as an unwed woman thought of having sex outside of marriage. Fast forward 10 years. By the time Seinfeld is on television, that is assumed to be the absolutely normal experience of every single American, and so it has become. That was done one story at a time. Story after story after story after story after story until immoral things don't strike us as anything but the most normal, harmless things you've ever heard in your life. But that's not the Bible story. It presents a far different picture. What story shapes the way you think? How you live? Where you turn? Thirdly, we ought to seek to understand the teaching of Jesus better and better. And he helps us to that end. Uh, He didn't speak to them without a parable, but He was explaining everything privately to His own disciples. That is, He's explaining to us what we ought to notice about these stories, what we ought to pick up on, how we ought to think about them most carefully. Um, But we're... A little behind our time and don't want to get too far and eat up all the Sunday school hours. So let me just fast forward a bit to the Lord's table, of course, which the text we use for the Lord's table is Paul's little summary of the story of the Last Supper. It's found in Matthew, it's found in Mark, it's found in Luke primarily. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed. So there's the story. Whole narrative sequence of the betrayal, arrest of Jesus after he's gathered his disciples into this upper room and shared this meal to them. So he's summarizing that story. So there he was at the table. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then he goes a little further and he says, "But let a man examine himself." So if you get ready to come to the, let a man examine himself. Examine himself for what? Let a man examine himself. Well, are you a genuine participant in this story? Calvin summarized, his answer to that was, you're examining yourself for faith and repentance. But he, he goes on to make it clear. It's, it's more complicated than that. It might be a little vaguer than that. Um, but the key line, I think, in the midst of what Paul does with it, he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. So what does he mean by the new covenant? Well, he means Jeremiah 31 31 to 34 but in those in the days that are coming declares the Lord I will make a new covenant there it is that's what he's talking about with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt my covenant which they broke although I was a husband to them declares the Lord But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. There's an old hymn that began this way, and it's referring directly to that, right? Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. That's Jeremiah language. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Well, that's the new covenant. It's a big piece of it. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. So you're certainly not examining yourself right for sinlessness because the very purpose of uh, promise of the new covenant is forgiveness of sins. Not sinlessness, forgiveness of sins. We're going to forgive their sins. So what are you examining yourself for? Well, are you this new covenant person whose story is written on your heart? whose story are you living from? You're not examining yourself whether you once prayed a prayer back in 1967 or 1977 or 1987. You're not examining yourself to try to remember whether you were baptized as a child. Oh yes, I was baptized. So now I know, of course, that I'm a covenant person so I come uh, quite naturally and quite inevitably to the Lord's table. No, you're not examining yourself for anything like that. You're examining yourself for an ongoing, present, spiritual reality that says, this new covenant stuff, that's my stuff. That's my story. That's my hope. That's my Jesus. That's whose story's written on my heart. Though I reflect it very disappointingly, sometimes shockingly so. but that's the wonderful thing about the end of the New covenant. sins forgiven, taken away. this cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out. For I will give forgive them their iniquity, Jeremiah finishes off with, And I will remember their sins no more. So as we come to the the table this morning, is the story of Jesus your story? Not asking if you live it out perfectly because you clearly don't. And in this age, never will. I certainly haven't. And won't. That's a certainty. That's a certainty. But is it your story? And do you know that your only hope in life really is the Lord Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins, the life that He promises, and you have a heart? To listen to him, to follow him. If he and Seinfeld disagree, you go with Jesus. If he and the ideological prize of the moment disagree, you go with Jesus. You go with Jesus. Again, never perfectly. But fundamentally, that's your story. That's your direction. And this is your table. But if you have to admit, well, look, I want to go to heaven and I want to be forgiven. But frankly, I want to go to heaven and be forgiven while pretty much embracing the entirety of the sexual revolution because I think that's going to really be important to stay on the right side of history. You don't understand the story at all. You don't understand the story. The table is probably not your table. Almost certainly not your table. You've chosen a different story. You've written a very different story on your heart, or one's been written there. You can repent today, But you'd have to. You can't just go on like that. You cannot just go on like that. I ask the men who will come and serve communion this morning to come as I reread those very familiar words from the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord that which I also have given to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and he broke it, and he gave thanks, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this for my remembrance. Likewise also he took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes men would stand we'll ask the Lord's blessing upon the bread Father in heaven it is our great hope and our great ground of thanksgiving that you did not spare your own son but delivered him up for us all and how will you not also with him freely give us all things But you gave up your own son to be broken for us. We rest in the broken body of the Lord Jesus as the ground of our hope and our life and our forgiveness. And we rest in it in Jesus' name. Amen.